Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. We're doubling down, back for episode number two. John, is being a professional podcaster everything you ever dreamed it would be? You know, I'm kicking myself now because I wagered that I would never be invited back, so I've lost out there. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you didn't wager our fictional shared bankroll on that one. No, 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 no. Not at all. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, Fun little gambling news item this week. On Tuesday night, somebody in New Jersey pulled off a successful eight-leg MLB parlay on DraftKings Sportsbook, turning $50 into $16,455.21. I know you've been keeping quiet about it while you sort out the tax implications, John, but be honest with our listeners. Uh, that was you, wasn't it? Uh, whoa. Uh, well, I'll say I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, <laughs> well, I've been, I, you know, I just realized I've been waiting 35 years to be on the opposite side of that comment, so it's kind of exciting. <laughs> <laughs> you've gotten that one a lot as the uh, interviewer, That's, huh? Mm-hmm, sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to everyone uh, joining us here uh, for our second episode. If you missed last week's podcast, it's available at soundcloud.com slash gamble on podcast. You can also find us on iTunes or the Apple podcast app. And don't hesitate to leave us a rating and review there. Uh, Later in the show, we're going to be joined by our colleague, Robert Delafav, to talk about the online casino world and more. But, But first, let's dive right into the news of the week, shall we? Yep, let's do it. We have uh, three stories for you this week. And first up, as my co-host John wrote about this week, DraftKings Sportsbook opened up to the public on Monday. There was a soft launch last week for only the most well-connected people to test it out. Uh, But Monday officially was the first day when anyone in New Jersey could place a sports bet via their computer or smartphone. And they don't even need to sign up in person at a casino uh, or one of the racetrack sports books. Three days have since passed, and nobody else in New Jersey has joined DraftKings. No, uh, no competitors are up and running. Uh, John, this is a huge story, well, one of the biggest developments since the Supreme Court reversed PASPA almost three months ago. What are your thoughts, and are you surprised all the potential competitors are, are letting DraftKings get out to such a big head start? Yeah, Eric, I'm, I'm as impressed as uh, so many people are uh, that DraftKings would beat all of those Atlantic City casinos to the punch. I mean, uh, keep in mind, many are owned by large worldwide brands, so uh, they're big-time players, and uh, DraftKings has just been in the daily fantasy sports industry. So it's just remarkable to me that they, they could pull this off. I think Borgata will be very soon, mm-hmm. but still, first first to market is nice. And you know, I'm just reeling from the fact that my dream of someday getting to bet on a professional darts match in the comfort of my own home is finally a reality <laughs> here in New Jersey. Very excited. <laughs> Dreams do come. I'm true. Yes. Um, and an interesting point in your article, you wrote, uh, you must be age 21 or over to place a sports bet, whether in person or online, but you only have to be 18 to bet on a horse race. What can I say? It's New Jersey. Those were your words. Uh, some of these rules do feel a wee bit arbitrary at times. Well, yeah, there, there was a last minute push. It was going to be that uh, Golden Nugget wasn't going to be able to have any sports betting. Uh, this is as of early June because uh, one of their owners owns the Houston Rockets. And right. it was like, that's that is talking about picking winners and losers, you know, for government <laughs> picking winners and losers. And then it was decided, um, even though Las Vegas is, does not have a, such an issue with this. So the compromise was that uh, Golden Nugget, you'll be able to bet on uh, all sports except the NBA, no NBA games. Whereas in Las Vegas, they only stop Rockets games, I think. So uh, it's just a curiosity. Um, you know, you can't bet on a college game, a game involving a college team in New Jersey either. Uh, that was thrown in at the last minute uh, a couple of years ago. Um, you know, that's sort of how Trenton works. I don't think the 21-18 dichotomy was likely even intended. It's just, uh, you know, uh, 
to see sausages and rules uh, and laws being made. It's not always pretty. Yeah, I mean, it goes all, all the way back to just the simple idea that, you know, as various forms of online gaming were disallowed uh, several years ago, you still had the, the lottery everywhere to play for free. And uh, look, it has al- there's always been sort of a sense of why are you allowed to do this, but not allowed to do that. And uh, certainly being uh, 18 and allowed to bet on a horse race, but not place a sports bet is, a, is an extreme example of that weirdness. Right. And down in Delaware, you can't bet online. You have to go to the uh, Racinos. Uh, but up, just up the hill in New Jersey, you, you can bet online. So right. I, I can't explain it all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's shift for story number two to some online casino news. Uh, last week, a New Jersey woman, uh, her name has not been made public. Uh, I'm thinking we could call her Jane Doe with Doe spelled D-O-U-G-H. That's the the first dad joke uh, to make it on the gamble on, uh, but certainly not the last. Anyway, uh, this Jane Doe uh, turned $2 into $287,945 with one spin of an online slots reel. She was on the Play Sugar House app playing the progressive slot Divine Fortune, and she got some Divine Fortune all right. It's the largest slots grand prize awarded online in New Jersey so far. And my favorite detail, she said, quote, I was actually on a work conference call and almost screamed out loud, end quote. There are a few angles to potentially discuss here, but the biggest one to me is that Oh, yeah. A lot of people do their online gambling, uh, especially something mindless like slots, while at work. Uh, John, you're not gambling while we're podcasting right now, I hope. Uh, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. What was the question again? <laughs> uh, now, this one went sort of worldwide viral for that uh, that very reason. You know, I know you and I have never been on a boring conference call, but um, <laughs> apparently uh, some people aren't as fortunate. And uh, uh, it's very relatable to think that they could do that. So um, uh, I, I think it was a real story that is very relatable uh, and therefore great publicity for the industry. I mean, there's still an awareness curve in New Jersey that maybe a certain percentage of people reading that story said, well, I can gamble legally online. I didn't even know that, you know, uh, in spite of the industry's efforts, uh, the, the awareness is not uh, exactly uh, as high as they would like. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, we'll save some of this conversation for when Robert joins us because he has a lot more experience playing these online slots than we do. Uh, but I'll just note, uh, according to a 2017 report from Rutgers Center for Gambling Studies, more than 30% of online gamblers indicated they gambled online from work or during work hours. Um, I actually think it's fine if it's not affecting productivity. If it's mindless, uh, it's kind of no different than, than doodling on a pad of paper while you're sitting in a meeting. Uh, but I guess I'm, I'm not sure too many employers would see it that way. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's interesting that the woman was not named, and I don't think she wants to ever be named. She'll <laughs> be Jane Doe forever, as far as she's concerned. I <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But you know, if by chance uh, she got found out and lost her job, two hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars will cushion that blow a little bit, I suppose. Exactly. Okay, our third and final news story of the week. Uh, John took a trip to Saratoga Springs on Tuesday for the Saratoga Institute on Equine Racing and Gambling Law Conference. You got some good quotes from State Senator. John Bonasick, and it sounds like New York legislators want to pass a sports betting bill, but it won't happen until at least spring 2019. What details and insights can you give us from the conference, John? I, I learned uh, quite a bit from this trip. Uh, number one, it's Speed Week in New York. Uh, the lovely officer who pulled me over noted. Um, <laughs> and I got to gamble while I was driving, it turns out, because when you get a ticket in New York State from a state trooper, um, the price of the cost of the ticket is not listed. So uh, hmm. I have to send in the form, and I'll be paying anywhere from $90 to $300. I imagine there's some sort of a wheel they have set up at the uh, courthouse <laughs> or something, but uh, I'll find out soon. 
soon enough. But um, also, uh, you know, the vibe at this event, you know, it's filled with gaming industry folks and elected officials. And the, the vibe was not as bullish on sports betting expansion, you know, as I expected. Hmm. Um, New York already actually has passed a had already previously passed a law that permits the four new casinos. There's one in the Catskills and three north of there uh, that they can offer sports betting, but the regulations still have to be finalized. And not only has that not happened, I'm not even as convinced anymore that that'll be done by the end of the year. And for online sports betting, that's not going to happen before you know March at the soonest. And I don't. It doesn't sound like it's at the top of the agenda by any means. Let's put it that way. Right. And uh, finally, I, I learned from Assemblyman Gary Pretlow, who's been an advocate of this, um, that he had majority support for online sports betting back in June. But he said he had 63 Democrats and 40 Republicans. And there's some political tradition in Albany now that the, the Democratic majority needs 76 sponsors to pass the bill in effect on their own. And uh, some of them might vote for something, but they don't want it to be known as a, a sponsor. And I mean, it's sort of the the antithesis of bipartisanship, I guess. You know, we don't want any of your votes, thanks. You know, we'll do it on our own. And then the thing doesn't happen. And um, the last thing I heard was that, you know, I, I know the balance of power shifts quite a bit in Albany uh, back and forth. And there have been some uh, uh, legal uh, issues raised over that over the years. And it's not clear what's going to happen in November. So that could right. complicate things too. Um, so I think the only, you know, potential positive that could get this thing going at all is if the Meadowlands is really exploding this fall with New Yorkers. And, and there's sort of a lot of publicity about uh, how New Jersey's eating their lunch. Um, that might get them going, but I, you know, uh, and then, you know, from March to June goes pretty quickly in, in Albany. And then all of a sudden, if nothing happens, because this is is not a priority you know it could go into another year you never know yeah another football season and yeah you you mentioned the uh eating their lunch that 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 was a quote uh from the the senator other states will eat our lunch if we don't do it uh but they're already eating it senator uh, new, new jersey has had a few bites of that turkey club uh they're they're gonna have some big bites during nfl season so yeah it seems to me that the pressure is on new york to to stop the bleeding uh, and stop the eating, I guess, uh, at some point in 2019. But uh, well, but... yeah, there's there's one other issue too, which is that um, the four new casinos have not produced the kind of revenues that were predicted. Mm. So um, the elected officials in those areas might be even more sensitive to trying to make sure that people have to visit their uh, their sites, even though some of them are kind of in the middle of nowhere, if I may say so. But, um, you know, and New York's such a huge state. I mean, obviously, you know, they've got millions of people that don't live close to any of these casinos. So, and I don't think that conversation has been has been fully vetted yet in the sense of now we know some of the new casino numbers. Now we know that they're not uh, measuring up. And so, uh, you know, that could just get political. This could be a part of horse trading, so to speak. I mean, right. uh, I, I, I really uh, I went in there thinking New York was very bullish on this, and now I'm not as convinced. Hmm. Okay, so this this may drag out uh, longer than we previously thought and certainly longer than uh, New York-based uh, gamblers are hoping. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, it's time for the next segment of the show, the trivia question of the week. Uh, in case you missed how this works when we explained it last week, every week on the podcast, we'll ask a sports or gambling related trivia question. And at the end of the month, we'll award a $25 Amazon gift card to one listener who has submitted a correct answer. All you have to do is tweet the correct answer to at US underscore bets and make sure to include the hashtag gamble on and you'll be entered into the prize drawing. Uh, if you get multiple questions right over the course of the month, you'll have your name entered multiple times in the drawing. Last week, we asked who was the last racehorse to win the Haskell Invitational and be named Horse of the Year in the same year. 
And the window for answering that question is now closed, so we can reveal the answer. The correct answer is American Pharaoh, who, of course, won the Triple Crown in 2015. Congrats to everyone who got that right. Your names are going into the hat for the prize drawing. Uh, so, John, what's this week's trivia question? Well, Eric, uh, this week we're asking about sports betting history, since we've talked a lot about the sports betting already. Uh, what NFL team that went on to win the Super Bowl had the longest preseason odds going into that championship season? Now, we need the team and the year, but you don't need to know the exact odds. And uh, going back to last week's uh, question, John, you, you knew the answer, right? You knew American Pharaoh? I did know that one. Yes. Okay. Uh, without giving uh, anything away, uh, I'm curious, do you, do you know the answer to this one? I believe I do. Okay. I'm, I'm debating in my mind uh, whether to give a, a tiny little hint uh, to the listeners. What do you think? Should we, should we give a, a tiny little hint, or do you think that this one is uh, answerable enough that, uh, that, that we should just leave it be? Uh, no hints. Our, our listeners don't need a crutch. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, no, no hints. So uh, uh, the question is what it is, and uh, we'll see who gets it right uh, this week. All right, it's time for this week's interview. We now welcome to the show usbets.com COO Robert Delafave. Robert, welcome to Gamble On, and uh, by the way, happy birthday. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad you remembered. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And before we start asking you any questions, uh, I know John wanted to sing happy birthday to you right here on the podcast. So, John, take it away. Uh, That would be my last podcast if I tried that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh well, and actually, you know what? There, there. I think are, we can live without it. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe there are huge copyright costs associated with that song, so maybe it's uh, it's best not to uh, to sing. But in any case, uh, from from uh, both of us to you, happy birthday, Robert. And uh, before we get to the news and analysis stuff, let's start with a fun question. Uh, you don't just cover the world of online gaming; you participate in it, uh, and you've been known to tweet out some big scores. What's the biggest jackpot you've hit online, and what's the wildest gambling story? Live or online that you can share with us? Um, the wildest story probably happened today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, after today's, after yesterday's gambling uh, birthday expenditure, um, I don't think I'll be going back till uh, my next birthday. So ah, took I'll a bit of a hit. That, huh? But yeah, took a bit of a hit. But it came back at the end. But um, okay. But uh, yeah. But as far as yeah, I have been posting a lot in terms of online. Um, I say my biggest hit was. Uh, 16,000 at once, and that was a um, flopped Royal Flush and a double-double bonus poker, and uh, I think I was playing only like $4 a hand. It was a five-hand game, so it was $20 spend, and I hit a Royal Flush on the on the deal, so it's a 640,000 to one shot, and uh, mm-hmm. that was that, that took me aback, but you know, as far as wildest stories, actually, that is one of the wildest ones I have, I guess, but I remember one time I was playing on the Sugar House uh, online casino, and mm-hmm. that's probably my favorite site. And I had really run bad. You know, I, I whittled like a thousand bucks. And I was playing through a bonus, so I had the like you know an edge the whole time. I whittled a thousand bucks down to like two dollars and and ten cents or something. And on that hand, the last hand I had, and I had to reduce my bet drastically. I spent twenty dollars <laughs> a hand the whole time. And I had to reduce it to like two bucks. Mm-hmm. That hand, I flop a royal flush again. Same, same scenario. And it only pays like hardly anything. It gets like pays like seven hundred twenty dollars or something when it could have paid like you know twelve thousand or eight thousand if I was just playing my normal stake. But I did run that seven twenty to like about twelve thousand dollars. So wow. two dollars, two dollars and ten cents to twelve thousand was my. Uh, <laughs> 
my wildest swing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> in, in the positive direction, at least. That's that's sort of the slots version of the poker cliche: a, a chip and a chair. You were down to basically your last chip and uh, came all the way back. Yep, yeah, pretty Rob, much. Rob, Robert, tell me, you know, more and more novices obviously are trying New Jersey online gaming literally every day. And uh, even after, you know, it's been legal for five years. Um, so what do they need to know about how to manage playing games online that might be different from the similar game they played at a casino? You know, they know the rules of the certain game they like, but, but what's really different about playing online that people might not realize? Well, I mean, first off, it's better. I mean, for the most part, if you're playing a slot online, you're going to, and you can play the same slot online, you can play at casinos, half of them that they have online are in the land-based casinos. But at a land-based casino in, say, Pennsylvania, Atlantic City, you're going to get 90% return about on your money, and that's, you know, fairly poor for a gambling game. Um, but online, you play the same games often or other games, and you can generally will have a return of around 96 cents. I'll explain what that means. It means for every dollar you put in, you can expect 96 cents back as opposed to 90. That's that's fairly composite average. So definitely better to um, play if you're going to play slots. And I don't really recommend it to anyone unless you're playing through some sort of bonus. But if you are going to do it um, just to have fun or whatever, definitely play it online. And also, I think a big differentiating factor online too is the bonuses. Now you go to a casino, they might give you a free play and. And usually that, if you play it through once, you can cash it out. It, it, it's just a lot different online. You're going to have bonus terms that you're going to have to play through your bonus about 20 times, sometimes 10 times. And it might take new players aback and say, oh, he's giving me all this free money. Why can't I cash it out? Well, because casinos aren't in the business of going broke. So, you know, um, yeah, so basically, there's always going to be terms. And I would really highly suggest any new player Read those terms. If you don't understand them, ask, go on social media, um, you know, find a review for the site, figure it out, and ask an ex- expert. Because if you don't, you might run a situation where you put a thousand bucks on, they gave you a thousand bucks, but you only want to play 20 bucks a spin. You're never going to clear that bonus, and you're just going to be stuck on the site. So read the fine print. That's the biggest piece of advice I can give to anyone who just started out online. Right. Um, well, we've written a, a fair amount on the site about Atlantic City and the new casinos there and how uh, they're experiencing the early hints of a revival uh, after a series of down years and con- casino contraction. I'm wondering, Robert, how much sure. do you th- how much do you think online gaming has to do with this be- the beginnings of this revival? And do you expect the revival to continue thanks to sports betting? I don't think online specifically is a major driver to Atlantic City tourism. Mm. It's okay. I mean, there's a lot of people who are the... the, It is a different demographic. It's the younger, um, generally a little bit wealthier demographic that's playing online as opposed to land-based. And they are getting the converts. Like, you know, you go to a Caesar site and you never played Caesar before, well, you can get a total rewards card online. And you can bring that card, and they're going to incentivize you to come down to Caesars and play. And it works to a degree. And it's not—it's definitely not a negative. It's definitely a positive. It works. But it's not a major driver. But in terms of pure revenue, it's pretty massive. I think at right. this point, um, online does more than, like, you know, uh, half the casinos do in a, um, 
in a calendar month. So that, so that, like basically having something that's virtual that makes us, um, as, as much money, if not more than like the fourth most popular casino is significant and it's still growing. And, and there's really no signs that that's going to stop. So in terms of pure revenue, it, it's, it's great in terms of, uh, just tourism. It's, I don't know, my opinion is really, you're only doing, you're only viewing this empirically. It's just kind of, you know, okay. Yeah, right. I'd like to jump in, uh, uh, Robert. Uh, I've been following the Atlantic City casino industry issues for 15 years now. Uh, a lot of it was because it was talk about a Meadowlands casino and that sort of thing, and that still hasn't happened. But um, I think it's underrated for Atlantic City itself when we talk about the revival because um, I've always been amazed that you can go to uh, Atlantic City in May or September and pay $39 for a hotel room at a, at a casino um, because it's just a June, July, August uh, seasonal town. But um, now all of a sudden, right. as soon as Labor Day hits, and they're going to have the the regular classic tourists uh, go away. Now, every Saturday and Sunday, you've got college football and pro football. September, October, November, December, through January, really, with the playoffs, and the beginning of February with the Super Bowl. Yep. And then they get a little bit of a break. People take a vacation. And then uh, you got March Madness coming along, and that gets you into early April. And um, it doesn't give them a 52-weekend uh, uh, cycle, but it gets them a lot closer than they were before. Yeah, and I'm having big debates about this, about – Every guy I saw, I have to answer the second part of your question uh, from earlier. It's about sports betting. Yep. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm kind of of the same mind. Yes. I, I obviously Atlantic City has more of a, a pull now, and um, you know, on the weekends, NFL, college, March Madness, as you mentioned. But how many people are really going to go there? I mean, if you if you didn't have online, I don't know. Maybe. But if you do, but what we have online, me personally, being from North Jersey, I'm I'm not going to Atlantic City to place a bet. I'm doing it from. Well, you know what? To be honest, I'm not doing it from the DraftKings sports book either until they lower their lines. But um, <laughs> but um, I mean, just to be perfectly fair, it's a perfectly solid app. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, I'm, it's a little tangential, but my fear is that the lines are just not good enough to draw people away from the you know, black market sites and maybe you'll get the casual crowd, you know, the ones who don't care so much, but, but me personally, I'm, I'm, if, if a good online product comes out, I don't think I would be incentivized personally to go to Atlantic City. I mean, some people would be, and especially people who like the social atmosphere of sports yep. betting, but, and, and, and obviously it's going to pick up some traffic, but again, I think it's just like online gambling. It's going to pick up, a material amount, but not not going to be the uh, forerunner of the revival of the Atlantic City, I don't think. I think it's yeah. a slog. I think you really, a lot of things have to work together for Atlantic City to do well. Right. I had another question, Robert, about your favorite uh, online sports spending site, the DraftKings, uh, that uh, <laughs> you know it, it just started. Uh, it seems to have like no limits of the number of sports on the menu. You know, even darts. I mean, uh, professional darts. You can bet anything. Um, would people be able to expect that to continue indefinitely, or or does every does every sport eventually have to prove themselves by the numbers that in order to maintain their place on that online menu, or does that menu never shrink? I I, I don't think it's I don't think it shrinks. I don't. I just don't know. How much cost is it really to put up another sport? Yeah, there's some number crunching and algorithms you have, but they they're, they're kind of based on the same algorithms you're already using for other sports. I would guess. Um, I just don't see any real limit. It's not like DFS, you know. DFS, you put a bad sport up, right, and you put a million dollars up on, let's say, cricket. 
a game, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. And you have, you have a million dollars guaranteed and, and it's $200 buy-in and like, you know, 500 people show up and, and now you have a $900,000 overlay. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a problem. That's yep. when you can't take risks on, on off sports. But with, but with sports betting, is it, how much detriment is there really to putting up more and more sports? Now, you say DraftKings has a lot of sports, and it does. But look at the international books. I think they have twice as much, at least, and um, everything under the sun. And, they've, and they managed to do this for years, um, and they're not showing any signs of, uh, you know, shrinking, shrinking their, 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 their palette of games. So I do think we see expansion. I don't think we see um, too much, you know, shrinkage, but... What I would say is this. It's an interesting opportunity because DraftKings will have apps in other states. And I do think there's something to be said about the regional aspect. So West Virginia app might have a NASCAR, more bets, more in play, because that's really popular there. But, you know, maybe not so much in the Northeast, where we'll have a more emphasis on, you know, obviously football, but other sports as well. So I think we're all going to see a regional effect, but we're not going to see – you know, a dearth of sports anytime soon. Yeah, and and certainly you make a good point just about how if you're running a, a mobile site, the the overhead is so low to to add another sport, try another sport. There's really there's really not a lot of downside, even if that sport isn't moving the needle a whole lot. Right. And if you're trying dark, you're trying anything. It's, you know, <laughs> I mean, so I don't think there's there's no there's no limit on that. Right. It's like throwing darts, really. <laughs> Yeah, I know. How hard is that? Can I can I can I bet on myself? <laughs> <laughs> it's your birthday, so you you can do whatever you want, really, uh, Robert. Uh, but uh... <laughs> oh, you're you're placating me. <laughs> you can play darts. You're good. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, uh, you are you are our first guest ever to appear on the show on his own birthday, and we uh, appreciate you uh, taking the time out of uh, out of your big day to do that. So, thanks for joining us, Robert. We we look forward to having you on again soon. And uh, once again, happy birthday! Oh, thanks so much, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. All right, thanks again to Robert. Uh, it's time now for our final segment, the bankroll. Every week, we wrap up the podcast by placing a few sports bets. John and I started with a shared $10,000 fictional bankroll. It's not real. It's just for fun. Uh, And thank goodness, because we're losing so far, and that's all my fault. Uh, Here's a quick recap of last week's action. I put $500 on minus 500 favorite Sergei Kovalev in his boxing match against Alader Alvarez. Uh, The good news, uh, I was there at ringside, and it was a thrilling fight. The bad news is it was the upset of the year in boxing so far as Alvarez trailing on the scorecards through six drilled Kovalev with a right hand scored three knockdowns and won by seventh round KO. So what I thought was an easy hundred dollar win for our bankroll instead is a $500 loss. Uh, The other $300 that we bet is all still out there. We have uh, 18 to one on Ricky Fowler to win the PGA championship. And we'll know the result of that on next week's pod Uh, and bets on the Washington nationals at 30 to one and Milwaukee at 20 to one to win the world series. Of course, we won't know about for quite a while. So our bankroll, currently stands at $9,200 with $300 on hold. Uh, We'll make two more bets each this week. And uh, John, you're up first. Uh, well, I probably should mention that uh, Mr. Fowler shot a 65 in round one at the PGA. So, uh, okay. but uh, but the challenge with him is not Thursday and Friday; it's Saturday and Sunday. So uh, <laughs> right, he got the re- he got the required quick start. But I was going to say you you you, you got to have a good first day uh, at least to uh, to get things moving in the right direction. I'm not going to start counting our eighteen hundred dollars just yet, but it's a good start. 
Exactly right. So now uh, I want to go to an NFL uh, over-under since we're getting to that time of year. And uh, I'm going to bet 290 to win 200 on, yes, the Cleveland Browns over 5.5 wins. Yes, really, five and a half. Uh, now, am I a Baker Mayfield lover? Not necessarily. I just think that either he or Tyrod Taylor will provide much more competent quarterback play than the Browns got last year, uh, when the defense was a lot better than people realized. Uh, I kind of fast forward through NFL red zone sometimes, and I noticed the Browns, you know, they make a lot of stops and they do a lot of good things, and then uh, the offense got the ball and, and they just they just blew it. You know, uh, A defense can only be recognized as so good when the offense is terrible, and so uh, uh, you know, they've got they had a, a big draft. They got some free agent signings, uh, new young players develop. Uh, they could have 10 new starters this year. Hmm. Um, I think that they're going to sort of uh, shock a lot of people. OK, uh, I, I'm not feeling uh, too strongly one way or the other uh, about that bet. But I will say I trust your judgment more than I trust the judgment of Mark Wahlberg, uh, who uh, who placed a real live bet on the Browns to win the Super Bowl. Uh, so at least you didn't go that far. Um, and no, at, I won't. at the very least, I am confident that the Browns will improve on their record from last year. I think uh, I think that much uh, uh, we can say for sure. They'll win more games this year than the last two years combined. Uh, they, need, they need they need two to get there. Right. So, uh, that's an easier over under than, than right. The other. Right. Six six is a little more bold, but uh, we'll see if we get there with uh, six wins to uh, to win our two hundred uh, on that one. Okay. Uh, for my first bet, um, I'm also going with an NFL win total. And I'm going with the Miami Dolphins under six and a half wins uh, at plus 115. I'm betting 200 to win 230. Uh, This is a team that went six and 10 last year and got worse. Maybe not at quarterback where Jay Cutler to Ryan Tannehill isn't really uh, a downgrade necessarily, but their new backup is Brock Osweiler, which, uh, oy. Uh, They lost Jarvis Landry. They traded Jay Ajayi midseason last year. They picked up old guys like Frank Gore and Danny Amendola. Uh, And I know they get two games against the Bills and two games against the Jets. Even if they go, say, three and one in those four games, I looked at their whole schedule. I still don't see them getting above six wins. I predict the Dolphins will finish four and 12 or five and 11. I like the under here, especially paying plus 115. All right. Well, let's uh, try some more uh, football thoughts. Uh, this will be my first ever uh, foray into NFL preseason play. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just go with 100 to start off a little cautiously, especially week one. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the Eagles at home over the Steelers, uh, minus three points. Um this just this isn't just any team returning after winning a Super Bowl. You know, I've I've followed the uh, the Philadelphia scene and and the whole city has just stayed in love with the Eagles all summer. The 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 honeymoon hasn't even come close to wearing off. And um, I expect this crowd to be a lot louder uh, than even uh, a typical returning Super Bowl champion will be. And I think that that vibe will kind of kind of help the returning players and and the new ones as well. Uh, kind of push themselves just a little harder, even though it's just a preseason game. Yeah, that's good reasoning. I'll certainly be uh, tuning in tonight and uh, and watching uh, my Eagles in the uh, first unofficial game as uh, as defending Super Bowl champions. And in, you never want to risk too much, I would think, betting on a preseason game. I'm glad you went with just 100 here. That seems like a good move. For the final wager this week, uh, it's an all-NFL week for our bankroll. Uh, I, too, am betting on an NFL preseason game. Uh, I'm going over 34.5 points scored in the Colts Seahawks game at minus 110. So I'm betting 220 to win 200. Uh, now, I placed an actual bet on DK Sportsbook last week on the Bears Ravens game to go under, and that one came through. Low scores are the norm in the preseason, but I like the over here because 
Andrew Luck will play for the Colts, uh, maybe just a quarter, but still, he'll be looking to perform well. Also, Seattle's defense is in steep decline. They're not what they were in past years, and that might actually be something to pounce on early in the regular season, too, before the lines adjust. Uh, And lastly, Seattle has a real running back competition between rookie first-round pick Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. I expect them both to be looking to break a big play as they compete for the starting job. So I'm going over... 34 and a half points scored in this game tonight. Yeah, when I was growing up, I had a friend who only bet the over. I can still remember uh, hearing him, you know, you never out of it with the over. You never out of it with the over. <laughs> and I mean, it was nothing, nothing at halftime. You never out of it with the over, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a lot more fun to, to bet the over and root for points and see what happens. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Gamble On. Uh, if you have any ideas for bets we can make next week, tweet them to us. We'll discuss the most interesting suggestions on next week's show and maybe even put our bankroll behind one of them. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Check out usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. John, you want to take us out? Well, I'd just say thanks to all the listeners and until next time, gamble on. <laughs>